Welcome to the Beltline Church of Christ podcast. We're so glad you found us. Please take a second and hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified of these weekly podcasts. Most of all, we hope this podcast will help you take your next step with Jesus. If you want to know more about us, you can visit us at www.beltlinechurchofchrist.org. Here's today's lesson. Let's just dive into the text. John chapter 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, and to him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. What what Jesus says here in John chapter 10 remains true. Sheep know the voice of their shepherd. In fact, in a crowded sheepfold, when the shepherd calls, it is his sheep and only his sheep that come running. You can check this out. It's really amazing to watch. But it makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense that this is true. I mean, it is the shepherd that spends all his time with the sheep. He knows the sheep. He knows what they like. He knows what they don't like. He knows the markings on every single one of his animals. He knows their characteristics, and his sheep know him. They know his voice. Someone else can come into that sheepfold, and they won't go near him, even if that shepherd happened to know their names. Because the sheep are listening for one voice, and only one voice. They're listening for the only voice that matters. It's the voice of the one that they trust. And when they hear it, When they hear that voice, the shepherd's not going to need a sheepdog to keep his sheep in order. He won't have to walk behind them and move them into position. He can walk ahead of them, calling them, and they will follow. It's kind of the same with parents, isn't it? Don't we know the voice of our children? Uh, You get 20 mamas in a crowded room with 40 babies, and when their child cries, they know exactly who that is. They know exactly the cry, and they go and swoop up their child in their arms because they know their own. They know their voice. In John chapter 10, verse 6, however, we're told that those who were there listening to Jesus that day didn't quite understand this figure of speech, this parable uh, that Jesus uses here in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. And so what happens next is that Jesus is going to give them three layers of explanation. Uh, The first layer is found in verses 7 through 10. The second layer is found in verses 11 through 18. And the final layer is found in verses 25 through 30. And I think we're going to need each of these layers to help us better understand what Jesus meant. I think something else is important here as well. It's important for us to remember what is going on around Jesus as he speaks these words. If you think back to what Trey covered last week in John chapter 9, we we know about the blind man who was blind from birth who was healed. And the question that dominated chapter 9 was this, is Jesus from God or not? Is he the Messiah or not? And that question is hanging over us as we move into chapter 10. And we find something else is going on here in chapter 10. If you look to verse 22, you see what it is. Jesus is speaking in the middle of something called the Feast of Dedication. The Feast of Dedication. 
If you didn't have an opportunity to check out our five-minute Friday video this week, I hope that you'll do that because I talk all about the Feast of Dedication, the background behind it. The Feast of Dedication, by the way, is something that you know. It is also known as Hanukkah. So here's Jesus celebrating Hanukkah, and all that's taking place happens. I'm not going to say a whole lot about that since we said it in the video, but Hanukkah celebrated the victory of Judas Maccabeus over the Greeks and Jewish leaders who had kind of accepted and adopted Greek culture. Uh, the Greeks had profaned the temple of God. They had burned scrolls. They had, uh, they had done all kinds of crazy... They, they put pig blood all over the temple. And they even erected a pagan image in the temple. And so Judas Maccabeus led, leads this rebellion and he cleanses the temple and he rededicates it back to God. That's what Hanukkah means, dedication. And so Hanukkah became a day that celebrated the return of worship in the temple, but it was also a time that asked questions about Israel's failed leadership. It asked questions about the failed shepherds of the past. Questions like, how did the temple leadership lose its way? Uh, who, what, what were those shepherds thinking and what do shepherds need to do today? And so that's the context for what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 10. Right after those questions about identity in chapter 9, and in the middle of Hanukkah, this feast of dedications, with all of these questions about leadership, comes the parable at the start of chapter 10. I hope you're beginning to see a connection. But let's look just a little bit further and read together verses 7 through 10. Find this first layer of explanation that Jesus is going to give to these people who didn't quite understand the parable that he just told them. Verse 7, So again, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And so the first level layer of explanation that Jesus gives is found right here. And basically Jesus says what he's already told them. The shepherd knows his sheep. This is so important for us to grasp today. I don't know if you know this, but in the Bible, the picture of the shepherd with his sheep is frequently used to refer to the king and his people. Now, in our culture, that doesn't make a lot of sense. We think of kings as conquerors, as warriors. We think about armies and all of that. We think about presidents and cabinets and all of this craziness, right? But in that day and time, the image that was pictured for the true king was a shepherd and his sheep. Possibly, as we see in Ezekiel chapter 34, the true shepherd given to us there, possibly patterned after David. Uh, the king of Israel, who was a man after God's own heart. And throughout Scripture, false kings, horrible kings, awful kings, are referred to as false shepherds in 1 Kings 22 and Jeremiah 10, among other places. And so in a world where they knew about the intimate contact and trust between a shepherd and a sheep, this was their favorite way to talk about kingship. So look at what Jesus is doing here. This is the image that Jesus chooses to explain his own claim to be the king of Israel. He is making an unbelievably remarkable claim. As remarkable as I am the light of the world, as remarkable as I am the living water, Jesus is now saying, I am the true king of Israel. And as Israel's true king, as Israel's true shepherd, he knows his sheep. 
He doesn't just know about the sheep. He actually knows them. This is important. He doesn't just know about you. He knows you. God today knows your name. Uh, Do you understand that this morning? He knows your name. He knows the very number of hairs on your head, whether there's less than there were yesterday or not. doesn't matter. He knows the very number of hairs on... He knows your likes and dislikes. He knows your character. He knows everything about... He knows your struggles... He he knows your difficulties. He knows all about the gifts that he's given you. He knows about your talents. The shepherd knows you. Listen, the shepherd's not scared off by your struggle. He's not running away from you this morning. He's loving. He's running towards you. And he loves you, blemishes and all. He knows about the hurt that keeps weighing you down. He knows about the lies that you keep telling yourself that keep you in bondage, that keep you in chains. The shepherd knows you. You're not a bother to him. You're not a hassle to him, never have been, never will be. No, you are his known and you are his beloved child. Like a parent who knows the voice and cry of their child, our good shepherd knows our voice. Think about this, our shepherd can pick us out in a crowd. He can pick us out in a crowd and you can either be really scared by that (laughs) or that could be an amazing thought, right? He knows me, he knows my name. Jesus is showing us the difference between a true shepherd and a false one. And what we have here in John chapter 10 are two of seven I am statements that Jesus makes. And so we have another one here in verse 9. Jesus says, I am the door. Now this is important. This is a really neat thing that I want to share with you. You see, in many eastern cultures and in eastern sheepfolds, the shepherd would gather his sheep into a fold, so to speak, into a, 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 a gathering, and he would lie down at night across the gateway, across the door. And he did this in order to keep his sheep from getting out, but he also did this in order to keep predators from getting in. And so Jesus is saying to us, if we have ears to hear this morning and eyes to see, he's saying, I am the door. Not only is he the door to salvation, because there's salvation in no other name other than Jesus Christ. If you want salvation, you got to come through him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't show a way. He doesn't know a way. He is the way. And so if you want salvation, you want to get into the fold of God, you got to come through Jesus. But he's also saying something else to us today. He's saying, if you want a, if you want a life that is really fulfilled, if you want a life that matters, And recognize that I'm that too. He says, I've come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. Jesus is saying, the shepherd, the true king, the true shepherd, he's not looking out for his own interests. No, he's worried about you. He cares about you and nothing else. His priority are the sheep. And if you can find a king like that, then you have found the Lord's anointed That's what he's saying to us. And that leads us perfectly into what comes next in the second layer of explanation about this figure of speech, this parable that he tells us in the first five verses. Let's read a little bit further. Verse 11. See if you can catch uh, the second I am statement here. It won't take you long. Here's verse 11. I am the good shepherd. Ooh, there it is. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. 
I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And so here in these verses, we get the second layer of interpretation, which goes with what we just said, and it's simply this. A true shepherd's not in it for his own profit. A true shepherd's not in it for his own gain, what he can get out of it, right? And Jesus explains that the true test, whether the shepherd is in it for his own profit or not, will come when he's faced with a choice. When a predator appears, a lion, a wolf, whatever. He says, you can tell the difference between the true shepherd and the false shepherd by what they do in that moment. You see, the false shepherd's not going to risk his life. He's not going to risk his own skin. He's going to save his own skin. And he will abandon the sheep if that's what it takes. But the true shepherd, no, he doesn't do that. True shepherd is the one who's ready to lay down his life for the sheep. And there we have that second I am statement here in John chapter 10. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And how does he prove it? He says what he's going to do. And as we look through the rest of the story of the life of Christ, we see what he does. He lays down his life for the sheep. Do you understand, though, what he's saying? As the good shepherd, he says, it is my job. It is my vocation to lay down my life for my people. He says, my sheep are in danger. And if they're in danger, then as the good shepherd, I'm going to go out and meet that danger. And if necessary, I'm going to take upon myself the fate that would have been there for the sheep if I hadn't stepped up and met this challenge. That is what Jesus is saying to us. And that is what Jesus did for us. He met the enemy head on because he knew that if he didn't, that we would all be lost. And understand this, as Jesus says here in John chapter 10, uh, verses 10 through 18, Jesus' sheep are not going to be limited to Israel. You see, God never intended to be simply the God of Israel. No, he is the God of the whole world. In fact, Israel lost their calling in the middle of all this. They thought it was about them. They made it about them. And so Jesus comes and tries to remind them that they were who they were because God wanted them to be a blessing to the whole world world. The other sheep, ooh, that's us. You recognize that today, right? We are the other sheep, that great company from every tribe under every nation under heaven that God intends to save and save through obedient faith to Jesus Christ. Think about this too. That word good that comes in front of shepherd, it's a really tough word to try to interpret or, or, or give an English connotation to. In fact, a better word might be beautiful. Jesus is the beautiful shepherd. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with Jesus' appearance because we know from Scripture that there was nothing special about Jesus' appearance. There was nothing about him that made you want to say, hmm, I want to be close to that guy. He's such a good-looking dude. That wasn't Jesus. And so this isn't talking about Jesus' appearance. It's talking about the attractiveness of what Jesus is doing. He is a beautiful shepherd doing beautiful things for us, his unbeautiful people. And, and when you see that, when you see what he's doing, when you see what he's done, man, people want to come and be a part of that. When we realize uh, what the good shepherd, the beautiful shepherd has done, he's died for us, then hopefully even more want to come. 
And so Jesus is emphasizing the compelling power of his love. Our shepherd knows us. Our shepherd loves us. Our shepherd fights for us. And I want you to think about this too. Our shepherd, shepherd was willing and he died for us. He didn't run when the enemy came attacking. He, he, he didn't, when the, when the lion attacked, he didn't leave. When the wolves howled, he met the predator head on. And I want you to know, based on the authority of Scripture, that when he met that predator, he absolutely annihilated him. He crushed his head. He absolutely took him out of the picture. And in the time being, he hurt himself. Yeah, he died, but he was raised back up from, from death again. He annihilated the enemy because he is the true and beautiful shepherd. How can you not give your life to the one who did that for you how can you not how, how can this the worship and the praise of, uh, of him become commonplace or, or bore how in the world is that even a possibility when we recognize what Jesus has done for us verse 19 there was again a division among the Jews because of the crowds. Many of them said he has a demon, he's insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Smart answer. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At the time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, three months after, by the way, three months after the Feast of Tabernacles that we've been looking at for the last several weeks. Verse 24, so the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us. And Jesus said, I have told you and you don't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you're not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. If you underline in your Bible, please underline this. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. Underline this. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Here's the third level of explanation that Jesus gives to this parable that they didn't understand in the first five verses and it's simply this. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd but they don't just know his voice, they actually follow him. They actually follow. I don't know if you've felt it yet. I don't know if you have felt how unsatisfying materialism and, and the stuff of the world really is. I don't know if you've felt that yet. I don't know if you've figured out yet that having stuff only leaves us wanting more stuff. I don't know if you've got it yet, but you need to know that everything that this world offers cannot deliver on what it promises. Whether it's sex or money or stuff, it cannot deliver what it promises. And sadly, there have been many thieves, for lack of a better word, who have come in and sold us the sheep lies. If you have this, then you'll have all that you need. If you have that, then you will be respected. If you do that, wow, that's going to fill that hole in your heart. It's all lies. Thieves have deceived the sheep. They've snatched them from the flock and left them for dead. So I'm just going to tell you this morning, when your cup is empty, don't fill it with the nonsense of this world. Fill it with the Jesus 
Fill it with the good shepherd because the good shepherd will give you, listen to me, he will give you what you need. You may not always get what you want, but the good shepherd's gonna give you what you need. And so listen to his voice, not the voice that says, oh, you gotta have that relationship. You gotta have this new thing over here. Don't listen to that. Train your heart to hear his voice over every other voice that's out there, over all the other noise that, that continues to beat on us. Train yourself to his, hear his voice. And the call, the call today to Jesus' true sheep, and I hope that's us. The call today to Jesus' true, true sheep is to listen for his voice and to find in him and in him alone real abundant life. When your enemy, when your enemy screams, you're not good enough. Hear the voice of your shepherd who calls you his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. When the chorus of voices tells you you'll never overcome that addiction, that problem, that struggle, hear the voice of your shepherd telling you you're stronger than you know, you're more loved than you can imagine, and that he is with you and for you and walking with you even through the valley of the shadow of death. And when those around you are running in no real direction at all and are calling you to join them in the same, hear the voice of the shepherd calling you to his purposes. Listening to the voice of Jesus, our good shepherd, this is important, it doesn't always change what you go through. Are you listening? Listening to the voice of the shepherd doesn't always change what you have to deal with. But it does change how you deal with it. And I heard this last week and it's been in my head and in my heart all week. You ready? Those who have the light of Christ don't have to curse the darkness. It won't change what you have to deal with, but it'll change how you have to deal with it. There's a whole lot of cursing of darkness that's going on in our world today. We don't have to do that when we have the light of Christ. We can just be who he wants us to be, live the abundant life that he's giving us to live, and make an amazing impact in this dark world that we live in. When you have the light of Christ, you don't have to curse the darkness. So let me ask you, have you been dealing with your stuff your way, listening to your own voice, listening to the voices of those around you, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? Jesus knows the sheep. Jesus lays down, his, he's not in this for his own profit. He lays down his life for his sheep and his sheep know his voice. Do you? Do you know the voice of the shepherd this morning? That's the question of all questions. That's the one we have to answer. And maybe you're sitting here saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know if I know. Let me tell you a foolproof way you can know if you know the voice of the shepherd. Are you doing what he says? Are you doing what he says? This is the key, right? 
If I want to know that I'm following the true shepherd, am I doing what the true shepherd says? Am I following him? Because the true shepherd, the true sheep, know the voice of the shepherd and they follow him. I'm just going to be bold here. Some of you listening to my voice online, sitting in this place this morning, you're going your own way. You're trying to do it on your own. You're following your own voice. And if you're doing that, I'm just going to tell you, you're not his sheep. Because the sheep know the voice of the good shepherd and they follow him. And so when the shepherd says, hey, I don't want you to to lie. The sheep live lives of integrity and calling and purpose. When the shepherd says, I don't want you to treat people badly. I want you to treat them right. I don't want you to cheat them. Then the sheep actually step into relationships and love folks and live lives of character because that's what the shepherd has asked them to do. When the shepherd says, repent, the sheep, this is what repentance is, the sheep turn and they follow after him. It's a turn, right? It's a turn from all these other false shepherds that we have in our world. The false shepherds are saying, hey, look at me over here. Look at me over here. The false shepherds are saying, you need this and you need that. You got to be this and you got to be that. You got to have those friends and not those friends. You got to be this. And all the while, the good shepherds over here saying, don't listen to that. Just follow me. Just follow me. Just follow me. And the true sheep are going to recognize this nonsense and they're going to turn and they're, going to, they're not going to do it perfectly. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We're going to be enticed by those voices. But the true sheep hear that voice that they know. And they recognize that this is all lies. And they turn and they follow him. They turn. They leave behind that other junk. And they respond to the voice of the good and beautiful shepherd. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come into your presence. Grateful for the opportunity to do so. And we know we can do that only because of what Jesus, our good shepherd, has done. Laying down his life for us. Father, I confess that as sheep, we have chased the wrong things. We've chased after the stuff the world offers. We, we think that true life is found there when it's not. We've been deceived. And Father, today, I speak for myself first and for these people as well. We repent. We turn away from those voices and we just want to follow the voice of the true and the good shepherd. Father, help us to train ourselves, or you, please, train us through the Spirit that lives in us to hear that one voice that truly matters, the voice of your Son calling us home, calling us to rest, calling us to his purposes, to his things. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, may it be so for every single person hearing my voice this morning in this room, watching on television, wherever they might be, God, I just... I just pray that repentance will be found in this place. 
and that we will listen closely for your voice. And no other voice uh, will sound anything like yours. And so just give us the wisdom and discernment to know the difference. And Father, give us the courage to follow you no matter what. No matter what. No matter who balks at that. No matter who, who says we're crazy for doing that. No matter uh, who says that we're foolish or dumb or ridiculous. Father, give us the courage to keep following your voice. We love you, God, and we're so, so grateful that as sometimes pretty dumb sheep, you don't give up on us. You love us anyway, and you call us. You call us your own. And that's what we want to be, Father. We want to be yours fully and completely. And so may it be so in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you are in North Alabama, we would love to have you visit and worship with us. Also, if this lesson blessed you today, don't forget to hit the share button and share this message with someone else. Hope you will join us again next week. As we close, here is our prayer for you. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a great week.